0: Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Lori, the 20-Minute Scriptorian, as are you all, the Scriptorians, and we are headed into Alma 36, and Alma in his last speeches to his sons. So let's do a couple things uh, today. We have really hit this amazing point in the Book of Mormon where it's a political crescendo, or perhaps a decrescendo. It's either it's going to go bad here in a minute, and we all know it's coming. It's war. It's It's just... All of this has been leading up to, uh, to this deconstruction of, of the society. And so we hit this really interesting point right here in 36, 37 of what Alma the Younger is going to do right before we get into the war chapters, how we got there, what it's about, and some advice to his sons, uh, and I think advice to us. So as we head into that, let's do a couple things today. First, let's go ahead and do context. You know, it's my favorite part. So I've been thinking about it. I made a bunch of notes and been reading through this again and again, uh, kind of studying and seeing what do I think Alma's trying to say. So let's do that. Let's do context, kind of the layout, the covenants, the various antichrists, what Mormon has been trying to show us of what happened to that society, what happened to those people as individuals, because it's our story as well. And then, then we'll jump in and see what are these pieces of advice the advice that so we'll do that next what happens then with pieces of advice for the sons of Alma all right so let's do context ready Whew. favorite part here it is so if we think back to the whole flow of the Book of Mormon and I know I know we know the story we're like Lori, we just read it we've been doing it all year we remember let's see if we can do the quick version so it starts out with the story of a family and God's covenant, his faithfulness to deliver them. So that's the Lehites. Nephi, we meet Nephi. So we're in this small version of the story. So it's not big picture yet. It's small picture. It's a a family. It's Nephi. It's Lehi. It's brothers and their arguments. They're fighting um, Nephi's great faith and understanding and wanting to understand the mysteries of God. Lehi's vision, the struggles that they go through, and how they really become the Nephites and the Lamanites that we know a little bit today. So when we meet this family, remember we took out our pencils at the beginning and we said they're kind of these three keys, these three key themes that keep going through. First, the covenant, the covenant of God's faithfulness to deliver his people and be their God, and say, hey, here's how you can live a happy and good life, God's covenant. And then the second, that, that he will keep a remnant. A remnant will remain, a group, a a branch, a uh, family that will remain, some some promise that a remnant will remain. And then most importantly, the story of the atoning Messiah. And that's what it's all about. This is how he's going to do it, is through this atoning Messiah. So covenant, remnant, and the atoning Messiah. We talked about that every verse, every chapter nearly, that just comes up over and over again, and we're going to see it again today. So kind of remember that's that story of that family. And then politically you see that beginning of the Nephites and the Lamanites, right? There were, yes, Samites and Lemuelites and Ishmaelites and all the ites, but we learned that they were just going to be there kind of turn into the us versus them, a belief. Which What do they believe? Uh, it's, it's more than just political uh, parties, it's, it's really us versus them. Uh, and if you are them, uh, you would be the Lamanites. And if you were us, you would be the Nephites. Uh, and obviously it's complicated and we've been reading about that, but that we, we introduced that idea. How did we get to there? Because we literally meet Nephi and Laman, right? <laughs> we meet the, the families and the brothers and the sisters and how they all break up and where that all begins. And that we lay down that so that not just the story of the covenants of God and his deliverance and the promise of a Messiah, but also how did this happen between this, this political environment we find ourselves. And we get through that story and then we get a lot of theology as well. We learn a lot about Christ and the atonement. And we also then jump back out to the history of the story of Mosiah you know, Omni, the plates, and it becomes kind of, just called all kinds of things happening there. But a couple of the highlights in Mosiah, we learned the establishment of the church. This is the first time we really see a church. Now, even within the Nephite organization, it's us versus them. It's believers and not believers. So we also see this subgroup breaking off in that of the Antichrists. And the Antichrists are those who deny the divinity of Jesus Christ um, or essential parts of his gospel, right? They're going to say, this, this doesn't exist. There's no sin or something like that. Um, and they are going to actively, actively oppose the followers of Christ and seek to destroy their faith. So we, we see this introduction of these characters. There are more than one, right? And so we're going to see that introduction. So really quickly, let's, let's review a few of them that we've met because I think these are going to be the tools that Satan is using in their day and Alma has been fighting against uh, for his people, right? And then they send out the missionaries to to kind of go and counter, counterman this. But one of the first ones we see is introduced in Jacob. The last chapter of Jacob, we meet Sherem, remember? And his, his thing was, you know, it was a little bit, uh, it's not as harsh as what we just left with Korhor. It's, it's like, oh, there's no Christ. I mean, because it's not, it's against the law of Moses, so he, he's going to say there was no Christ because, you know, what is the purpose of law of Moses? And then no one can know things to come, and he's going to demand a sign. And he eventually admits that he was deceived by the devil. So we meet that. Now, I'm not saying this isn't serious like Korhord, very serious, but he, he doesn't attack the church just 100%. He says, oh, no, law of Moses is okay, right? But he starts to kind of get a toe in the door, Sharon. Then we meet another one, Nehor. And this is one that really starts to take off, is the Church of Nehor. And this is where we see an interesting introduction of priest's crafts. And this is that idea that that, uh, authority of God can be twisted so that churches can get rich and they have kind of worldly honors. So we see crafts introduced, as it's called later, but priest crafts are introduced. That churches get rich for worldly honor and they use that power. They also, uh, Nahor also has an interesting point. There's no need for a Christ, right? Everyone's going to be saved. God created everyone. Everyone's going to be saved. And then he also, in this priestcraft theory, right? Priests should get paid um, for, their, for their work. So uh, there's a church still, but it's uh, without Christ, and it's for power and glory. And then he eventually kills a defender of the gospel, Gideon, and then he, uh, Nahor is executed for murder but his church his beliefs they get their roots in and we're going to see them even today in our stories today in the next few weeks then just this last week or so we studied Korihor he's really the extremist he's taken this to it it just keeps building he's building on these evils and he just says there's just all religious teachings are bad right and there's no need for Christ to come and then he even says you know corrupt and lazy priests those guys are just out to get you uh, and you can see how this is building. Certainly, certainly that's what some of the priests were doing from the priestcrafts and people's fears. Uh, and then he ridicules, talks of visions and mysteries of God. And then he calls belief in sin and the atonement and the remission of sin. He just says, it's all just a derangement. You know, this is all crazy. So if you think back to Sherem and Nehor and Korahor, if you're like me, I start going, oh, oh, that's like today. Oh, I saw that just the other day. Oh man, that, I've heard those very things. Now, I know we probably all have seen those, and we probably all are saying, uh-oh, uh-oh, and we should be, we should be. saying those antichrists, those th- theories, those themes are being reiterated even today. So in those stories, they go back to the story. So the church is established. It was the Lamanites and Nephites, the different families, and the church is established. And then even within the church, it starts fracturing within as these antichrists and people start to to follow those and have personal apostasy. They start to drift away. And then we see that the missionaries, specifically uh, the stories of, we love it, Alma and the sons of Messiah and Amulek. That they become these great missionaries to go into these cities cities like Gideon Zarahemla Ammonihah Nephite cities but they also go over to the Lamanite cities right um, the Ishmaelites and and uh, what become later the Ammonites and they they go and say hey um, let me teach you actually the truth so God gets the the spirit gets out into the people and starts to work with them again and yet it's building and yet it's building this, this fractured, fracturing of the society is still building. So we can see it, it's building, you can feel the tension. And we're going to read about uh, some of Alma's concerns and his worries and his real fears of, of what's happening in today's chapter. Um, as we start, we're going to see, the, so that's kind of our context, right? But as we start, we're going to see that the themes, the covenants that we talked about in the beginning, and then some of the feelings of how do we offset these these untruths, these evils that are being uh, purported in the society like us? How do what do we do with that? How do what's the tool? What what tools do we have to to uh, protect ourselves from these these evil things going on in our day? First, we have to say, hey, is this happening in our day? Yeah, if you're listening to this, you probably think so too. And then we can look at it and say, what are we supposed to do? So. That's the context. That's the big picture, kind of what's happening on the big scale and on the small scale. And then let's jump over and see a little bit more about these covenants and how Alma's going to use it. All right, hold on. Let's go there next. Okay, so now we've got our context, part one. Now as we jump in, be asking yourselves, how is this like today? And how is this like me? Sometimes when I read the scriptures, I think, what were those people thinking? They're so and I'm kind of rude, but I'll be like, oh, man, they were so dumb. Like, what were they all, oh, man, like the Israelites, they just keep failing. And now as I've kind of got a little older, I see so much more of myself in them. I'm like, oh, man, how is that like me? And so I want you to be thinking of this story as Alma is teaching his sons, and we're just going to do uh, Heenlin a little bit today. But as he's teaching his sons, think, how is this like today? And how is this like me? All right, let's jump in. So first, I want you to note that when Alma is telling this story and Mormon uses the same technique as he's compiling this book, right? But he, you've been building, 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 and then there are going to be these war chapters. And it's this odd little pause uh, here uh, with this message to his sons. And I think it's very... Uh, plant it is there's a reason why they've got this little breath before taking a plunge right you're taking a breath because these are the things that they're going to need to know and the things we're going to need to know before we get into the war chapters how do we avoid it how did this happen how did what kind of things did they need to know and specifically you'll see the three suns, sons being a very particular oh, real people for sure but very good examples of the different types that we are we are sometimes in each one of us and sometimes just different people that we know will say, yeah, this little plunge is going to say this is how we got here. This is how we can avoid this. These are the tools we're going to need. So they are going to this political crescendo. It's like duh, 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 it's building, building, building. And then you're like, oh, now a little pause while I talk to my sons. That should feel a little odd because it is uh, in the story. And it's because we're not going to have time to come back to this. I want to make sure you understand how we got here and how we, how we could get out, how we personally today in the 21st century can avoid it. All right, so let's jump in on Alma 35 in verses 15 through 16. Alma is going to remind us about how we got here. So he's going to this plunge, this deep breath before we jump in. He's going to say uh, what's happening. Now, Alma being grieved, grieved, Interesting word being grieved for the iniquity of his people, yea, for the wars and the bloodsheds and the contentions which were among them. And having been to declare the word or sent to declare the word among all the people in every city, and seeing that the hearts of the people began to wax hard and that they began to be offended because of the strictness of the word, his heart was exceedingly sorrowful. Therefore he caused that his sons should be gathered together, that he might give unto them every one his charge separately concerning the things pertaining unto righteousness. And we have an account of his commandments, which he gave unto them according to his own word, record. Ah. So read back through there. Take a little pen. take, Take your little phone and say, how many times does he say the word, word, right? There's this word, Alma had begun his mission to the Zoramites, as you remember, with an explanation of why he was attempting such a religious solution, right? The Zoramites, he was like, man, I'm, they've failed, we've got this political issue, but he begins his mission saying, and now as the preaching of the word had a great tendency to lead the people to do that which was just, yea, and it had more powerful effect upon the minds of the people than the sword or anything else. Which had happened unto them, therefore Alma thought it was expedient that they should try the virtue of the word of God. That's Alma 31:5, and and in some ways we're seeing that attempt failed, right? And that's what we're gonna head is war, not not totally, right? Uh, not for the, but the whole group as a whole war, but for many thousands. And insert, what about me? Will it work? We just left a chapter on the word as a seed. Some, how to make this change personally. This isn't a change corporately or globally, right? This is a change that has to happen with me, has to continue to happen. And so the clue here is how do I get the word of God? How do I get the word as a seed, this word? What, this is the clue. How do I find the humility to make that work? How can I be an Ammonite, right, and not an unbeliever? How can I be like Alma himself? How can I make that change in my heart? How can I understand the atonement of Christ? That's the change. Mormon describes, you know, Alma's profound sadness at that failure, right? He says, um, having been to declare the word, or sent to declare the word among all the people, and seeing that the hearts had begun to wax hard, and that they were offended become of the strictness of the word, his heart was exceedingly sorrowful. And that's just, man, it's powerful that it, he goes out to teach the word, but their their hearts, they it wasn't that they couldn't hear it. It's that they didn't want to understand it deep inside, right? My, it was hard. It was, and the piece that really struck me this time, guess what word? Offended. I went, man, when I was younger, read that. I go, oh, yeah, they're offended, whatever. And now I'm like, wow, we probably say that every day, right? I, I'm offended. That's against my culture. That doesn't understand me. Um, we take great offense, right? We're not very humble. We, we take great offense. And I was like, yeah, wow, this is sounding kind of scary. Sounding kind of scary. Um, that's, that's, and that jumped out at me. But this, the clue, did you underline? Word. The Word. The Word of God has the power to reach our hearts. But He's sad. Alma is sad because it wasn't that effective. Well, certainly, we certainly heard huge stories of effectiveness. But overall, he's saying that there it, it still breaks down, right? And this is why. This is why. Take a minute to think, how is this like me? How is this like today? How is this like me? How is this like today? All right. As we jump in here to this next section... Uh, we see that Mormon has intentionally interrupted this, hist- like we were just saying, this historical narrative to insert Alma's charge to his sons. And it explicitly says uh, in Alma 43, 3, now I return to an account of the wars in the 18th year of the reign of the judges. So why didn't Alma just put, why did, or Mormon just put Alma's charge to his sons just after the 18th year of battle? And, and I think as I re, kind of look through the rest of Alma, we see that Mormon's constructing this narrative that is going to focus on the wars, rumors of wars, that precede the Messiah's coming. So he can't just slide past the battles uh, cause, because they're religious in cause, right? It, the cause of it is religiously based. So he needs to take a step back and say, I, I want to show you this as it's leading up into uh, Christ's coming. And the single conflict with the, the Zoramites, it just escalates into a war and it just represents everything that we're going to see, not just military objectives, but it's just ideological, right? These, these changes in people's hearts, these beliefs that created a rift, created a rift, the beliefs, the ideolo- ideologies that created a rift. And so Elman's instructions to his sons, um, including Corianton's temporary, t- he has this temporary, temporary attraction to the Zoramite apostasy. So we're going to see Helaman and we go, yay, you know, and Shiblon, yay! And then we say uh, Corianton, he's very tempted by the Zoramite apostasy. One of his own sons. So naturally, if Alma had in- had included instructions to su- two sons, you know, he's going to have the third son, but, but Alma's discussion of Corianton highlights what's at stake in this war and, and how personal it is and how it was, uh, really distracting. And it was very tempting to the people and, and how these, these things that we just went through that the Antichrist are teaching, the Zoramites are teaching, Korahor is teaching, how they are tempting and taking away and drawing away the hearts of the people, including Corianton. When we get to that section, and if I get a chance to go through it, I, I don't think his great sin is adultery. I think his great sin is apostasy. Not to say that adultery isn't terrible. but I think the point is Corianton's great sin is apostasy, is turning away from the bridegroom, turning away from well, the beliefs that you have and being tempted, being tempted to go and do those things. And and luckily he he regroups. But before Mormon's going to get into this long section on war, right? Where you're like, okay, I'm just going to get in the stories, and the, I'm going to get lost in the plot. He is going to make sure that we really understand the religious issues and the necessity of repenting from apostasy, and that's Corianton's story. All right, all right. So Alma shares this experience, these experiences. Um, With his sons. Now let's jump into the first one. And that's the story of Helaman. So first he's going to explain his life. But Helaman's a son. And I'm sure he has heard these details. I just can't believe that this would be the first time. So we're going to go over them though. Because uh, it's going to be instructive. Not, Not because of just the details. But to make sure it's a model. Again, how to be reconciled to God. In our sinful state, we have to follow Alma's pattern uh, first, we, so first he's going to go through, you know, we have to be reconciled to God. He tells the story of, you know, I was going about and I was, you know, sinning. And then I, uh, the angel comes and he, the story, when Alma tells it really, if you read back through it, you'll see, it does not focus on the sons of Messiah. I mean, they're there, but it's not their story. It's his story right now. And so he's going to focus on him. He was going about trying to, uh, uh take, tear apart the church. And then this Alma or this uh, angel comes and he finally recognizes true remorse. In fact, it's heart wrenching, heart wrenching remorse. So that's the first clue to us. To to affect our natures, we have to feel that remorse. And then he does something interesting. He calls on Christ, calls on Christ. Um, And that is going to be the second clue. We have to accept his atoning sacrifice. Then we're going to see this infusion of the Holy Ghost that assures our sins are forgiven. And the final step is to implement that, that experience in our lives benefits, not just us, but others, right? That's Alman's story that he felt this true remorse. He affected this change in his heart and he calls out to Christ. He accepts the sacrifice of of the atonement. He, he, the assurance that his sins are forgiven. He feels the Holy ghost. uh, And then his final step, he implements that by sharing it. Right? So that's kind of be the outline that he's going to, to, to give it. Um, Let's jump in and take a look at really quickly a couple of the verses. Oh, man, we're out of time. All right, so go back, read 36, and I want you to ask the question, what's Alma's story? Why is he telling about the covenant? He's going to talk about deliverance. He's going to talk about a different biblical story than a remnant shall return. He's going to talk about part of it, deliverance, and then he's going to talk about the atoning Messiah. And so we just were leading into those stories. Go ahead and read those, and that's what we'll jump into next time keep on reading. Good job. Good job, everybody. Keep on reading, scriptorians.